Welcome back to Gaming Witty. This is episode five. Uh, it is now February. Uh, specifically, it is February 6th, Monday. Uh, somehow we have gone through January, as we discussed in the last podcast, and we are back at it right now, uh, second month of the year. Uh, been a, continuing to be a slow news week, as it were, and you know, trickling out here and there. Nothing too major. I think we're going to actually probably skip pack, past news this week. Uh, got a couple games to discuss. Uh, and I actually have an interesting topic to discuss as well, which is kind of going to lead off of one of the games that I've been playing. Um, well, let's get right into it. You know, obviously last episode we did Resident Evil. Uh, it was kind of a very Resident Evil-themed episode, both the history of the franchise, where it's going, and of course all because Resident Evil 7 had uh, just come out. Uh, and now I can tell you I have completed Resident Evil 7. And uh, I am happy to say that it is a great game. I think you can probably easily put it up there with the likes of the first Resident Evil, the remake, and even Resident Evil 4. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the top of the cake, and I don't think it is what Resident Evil 4 was to the franchise. Uh, but it is a great game nonetheless. Um, I think, uh, as a lot of people in the industry have said, you know, the first, I'd say, half to slash two-thirds two of the game... Uh, feels very much like the first game in the series. It's a lot of, it's a slower, more methodical, a lot more puzzles, uh, a lot scarier. Um, the second half slash last third of the game kind of starts turning into what Resident Evil 5 and 6 were. And I don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing, but it does start being, you know, okay, here's a lot of enemies coming at you. Start shooting them. And yes, you can avoid them. You can run around them to a certain extent. Um, but it has a lot of that vibe. It has a lot of the vibes of Resident Evil Revelations, the first one. Uh, I don't want to say why, because that'll certainly spoil things. But I think as an overall product, it was really, really fantastic. And I'm super, super excited that Resident Evil is back on the map in a good way. Um, it leads me to believe that Resident Evil 8, I would have to assume at this point, will probably go the first-person route. I don't know what they can do with it. Uh, although I will say the way that this game ends up, uh, you know, you certainly get that tie-in back to the main series in, in a both an interesting way and also a certain kind of way that leaves you with a lot of questions, um, which I guess the Resident Evil series has always done. But I think it's, it, it wraps things up very, very well. It's kind of a, a very good kind of self-contained story. Uh, once again, I know that I mentioned it last time, but uh, if you've never played Resident Evil and this is kind of like the first time you're getting into it Resident Evil 7, I think it actually works out perfectly. Um, Ethan Winter, who's the name of the main character, his main story in, in, the, in this game is very much tied to him and his personal life. Uh, obviously, the things that are happening around him uh, are, you know, par for the course for a Resident Evil title. Uh, but it is very much a self-contained story that you don't really need to know anything about Resident Evil or the series lore uh, to, to kind of get enjoyment out of the game. Although I will say, by the end, once you kind of start seeing things unfold and reading some documents and, of course... The ending cutscene, uh, those who have played the series and have played it through and through will be like, oh wow, this is this is cool, where's it going to go next? Um, but definitely highly recommended, I think that uh, I will probably play through it again, and probably down the line when I do get a PSVR, I'll try it on PSVR as well, I have a lot of friends and colleagues saying that that is the way to play it, uh, whether that ends up being true or not, we'll certainly find out, but I think it's definitely worth a play. Uh, highly recommended. Definitely going to be in my top 10 list of this year uh, just because it's just that great of a title. Um, and I know a lot of people have been starting to talk. Obviously, last year Capcom officially announced that they're going to be remaking Resident Evil 2. 
Uh, I'm very, very curious. Hopefully they'll reveal some more stuff of it this year, either in E3 or Tokyo Game Show later in the year. But I'm very curious to see what route they take with it. You know, I don't want them to go and make it like the Resident Evil 7 game, because Resident Evil 2 is not that. I think that, you know, there's potential they could make it more in the vein of Resident Evil 4. Uh, hopefully I prefer more in the vein of Resident Evil Remake. Give it a nice coat of paint, you know, make some slight adjustments to the controls, but you kind of have to keep that game, I think, personally, you know, the way it was as far as how it played, just because of the nature of how that game was designed. Uh, if they do go ahead and make some drastic changes to the gameplay, I think you're going to have to change uh, the intrinsic nature of that game as a whole. Um, but, you know, time will tell. Uh, they are getting back in the gr good graces of the Resident Evil fans, uh, including myself. And I'm very happy to see that Resident Evil is back, and uh, I think better than it's been in quite some time. Uh, and, of course, jumping off of that, now that Resident Evil has passed... Um, is another game that I kind of never got around to last year. I know we kind of mentioned earlier in January that I had played through Dishonored 2 because I just get, didn't get to it uh, in 2016. Um, the other game I did not get to is Far Cry Primal. Uh, if you're not familiar with this game, it's basically very much the Far Cry first-person shooter gameplay. Uh, you know, you're going around, you're scavenging for items, you're going to outposts, you're unlocking the outposts, which are going to, you know, then show a myriad of things you can do on the map. Um, but the kind of key differentiator with this game is basically it's kind of takes place in 10,000 BC, so a kind of prehistoric era. Uh, no guns, you have bow and arrow, you have some clubs, uh, some spears, um, kind of very rudimentary objects to fight off your enemies. And what I will say in my couple of hours that I've played of it so far, what I really, really love about it is yes, it's kind of got that Far Cry hook right back into me, which those games have that, you know, ability to do so. But I think the nature of it being a game where it's not, like, overpowered guns and explosives and crazy stuff going on, it gives it a much more subdued, much more relaxed nature, while still really encouraging you to kind of go out there and kind of check out the environment and scavenge for items and feel like you are this kind of underpowered individual in an environment that's filled with animals and enemies alike. Uh, and then speaking on those animals part, uh, a couple missions into the game, you get what I think is uh, a really, really awesome ability. Uh, it's basically, you get the ability to tame wild animals. Um, and it's kind of through a shaman who gives you this ability, and you go on this trippy uh, flight with an owl, which is kind of... Far Cry has been doing that the last few iterations. You always have some kind of trippy stuff and some kind of drugs involved and whatnot. Uh, but what's really cool is, so basically, you get to throw some bait at certain animals, and obviously you have to level it up and get better, uh, but, you know, you throw some bait at animals, you go up to them, you hold down, you know, the button, the X button in this case, I'm playing on uh, Xbox One, and uh, basically you tame the animal, and it becomes your buddy. Uh, you get to roam around the wilderness with an animal, you get to sick it on animal, you get to sick it on other animals, sick it on enemies to attack them, uh, so it's actually kind of like a, a really great companion piece to have when you're roaming in the wilderness, because once again, as it stands right now, obviously, being in the Stone Age, there's no motorcycles, there's no cars, there's no fast ways to get around. So having someone by your side where you literally can run or kind of crouch and go quietly through the areas and have it by your side kind of keeps you preoccupied, keeps you busy, and in a great way. Um, thus far, I've gotten a wolf and I've gotten a mountain lion, uh, both of which have been really, really helpful in uh, some of the battles as they've been escalating and get a little, getting a little bit tougher. Um, but it's another great open world Far Cry game. The story-wise, it's really, really, you know, kind of simple, 
you are part of this Wenja clan and this Ilma, Ulma, I apologize, don't really remember what it was called because the story is kind of just there to be there. Uh, but basically there's another tribe who's hunting you down, trying to kill all of you and your, uh, you know, your all your clansmen as it were. And uh, you have to, you're setting out to build up your tribe. There's a whole um, building a village aspect to the game as well where you kind of have multiple people in your village and you get village population increases by saving other people in the, uh, in the wilderness. And of course basically you're going to build up your army as it were, you're going to fight back and go attack all the, uh, the other clansmen to wipe them out before they wipe you out. It's a really simple story. It works insofar that you are in the prehistoric age and it is a simple world. Uh, and I think, you know, it's a really great relaxing, you know, maybe you had a long day at work, you want to sit back, relax, and just kind of get a few items, do a few quick missions, maybe gather some, uh, you know, furs or whatever that you need to upgrade your weapons and then just call it a night. Uh, it's really nice, really relaxing. Uh, I do recommend it. Um, certainly you can find it on the cheap now. And I think it's actually a, a great game just to play, you know, Especially, I mean, obviously there's a lot of games coming out now, but I figured, you know, it's now or never uh, for certain games that came out early last year, and uh, certainly did the right thing by choosing now. Um, but the other game, and another game from Ubisoft that's actually going to lead into our topic of the week, um, that came out over this weekend, they had a closed beta for it, is Ghost Recon Wildlands. Um, if you're not familiar with this game, they announced, Ubisoft announced it about two E3s ago, I want to say. Um, and they basically, when they announced it with a kind of cinematic trailer, it was the four ghosts. If you're not if you're not familiar with Ghost Recon, it's an old Tom Clancy franchise from Ubisoft. Used to be like Rainbow Six, very very tactical, one shot kill. Uh, you're playing this group of you know highly skilled soldiers going into areas, specifically in the wilderness and kind of in the jungle areas, uh, doing missions, getting out, and being done with. Um, and of course, what it's evolved into now is Ghost Recon Wildlands, which basically has four people, again, four mem a four-man team, uh, or woman, and uh, you go into the wilderness, and this time it takes place all in Bolivia in a massive open-world environment. Uh, there's multiple missions. The main kind of premise of the game is that basically you're trying to stop the drug cartels who have kind of gone rampant and are taking over the, the lands, and you have to wipe them out. Once again, a story similar to Far Cry, unfortunately, where it's kind of it is what it is. It's there, kind of just in service of the game. But what is the real, real uh, pull to this game is the gameplay. Uh, it's a third-person, over-the-shoulder view, although when you go into iron sights, you can kind of look in first-person. You can also still look in third-person, depending on what you like, which I think is really, really fantastic way of giving that option to people. Um, it plays and feels a lot like a mix of Mercenaries, which is a game from Pandemic Studios, unfortunately no longer with us. Who had they had Mercenaries on PS2, and then they had a follow-up. I believe it was on PS3 and 360. Not 100% certain, but I'll certainly get back to that. Anyways, it feels like a mix of Mercenaries, Far Cry, and Ubisoft's other game, The Division, from last year. Uh, you're going into the environments. I also, also say you do have some Just Cause feels to it as well, but I'll get into that in just a second. You're going into these massive, massive open-world environments. Uh, you and three other players if you want, or you can play single player and then you have three AI teammates that you can command around. Uh, you're going around the environment, either you can get into vehicles, motorcycles, jeeps, armored vehicles, helicopters, planes, at least that's all the items that were in this beta. You go around, you do missions, which you can do stealthily, so you can kind of infiltrate quietly, similar to Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain. Uh, you can kind of 
go in guns blazing if you want, or you can do kind of a mix of the two. Uh, but what's really great about it is, uh, and I found whether you're playing single player or multiplayer, it just feels really good to kind of scout out the areas. You know, you get a drone so you can kind of fly up in the air, mark your, mark your targets, scope out the area, quietly go in. You can go up close and do quiet takedowns. You can kind of shoot them with suppressors on all of your guns, but you can hold three guns at, guns at a time, your main gun, a secondary gun, and a pistol. Uh, and basically you're going into these areas and the missions, you know, the mission variety in the beta was a little bit limited, you know, and obviously the developers have indicated that certainly they're holding things back for the main game. This is kind of to test uh, the game, the network stability, and so on and so forth. Uh, and of course, you're going to the, into these environments and either you're picking up some documents, you uh, have a target you have to kill, or you have a target you have to interrogate to get more information. Uh, so it's simple tasks. But the way the kind of areas where these, these you know, encounters take place and the environments in general are just really, really, really well mapped out. Uh, give you a lot of variety, a lot of different options. Uh, and I just think, you know, if you're playing by yourself single player, which, you know, I will probably do a mix of the two. You know, and I also always prefer to go stealthy. Uh, if you've been listening to our podcast, a lot of the games that give me that option, I always prefer to do that route. It always seems to be more rewarding for me. But in this instance, you know, uh, I did go stealthy on my single player routes and it was really great. And in the multiplayer, what's really great about multiplayer is uh, you can certainly try sometimes to go stealthy. Obviously you need a lot of coordination with the buddies you're gonna be playing with, but sometimes it devolves into chaos. And the chaos is where this game really starts feeling like mercenaries uh, and or just cause because things start blowing up, uh, enemies start scrambling everywhere and it just gets crazy. Um, and crazy in the best way possible. Uh, it's just a blast to play this game, uh, running from mission to mission, going in, maybe having to rescue your, your enemy, your uh, teammates if they get down, you can certainly revive them. Um, but going in, scouting out the area, shooting people, going to the next mission, doing it, it feels great. It's something you can do in and out real quick. So once again, similar to a lot of other Ubisoft titles, you know, it's a, a game where if you don't have a lot of time, you just want to complete a couple of missions before you have to go to bed or maybe go to work or go to school or whatever the case it is, you have the ability to do so. You can go in, you can do the mission quickly, and you can get out. Uh, and it's really, really nice to have that ability. Obviously, uh, the other thing this game has on top of all of those, which is another really, really great kind of thing to do, and something maybe you wouldn't even think about because it's a third-person shooter, is it's got a whole RPG system. Uh, you are leveling, leveling up your character, you're leveling up your weapons, you're getting new weapon parts. Uh, so there's a whole deep aspect to this game uh, where re you can really tailor your soldier to the way you want to play. You want to be that player who's going to go you know, crazy with shooting everything and blowing everything up with a rocket launcher or grenade launchers or heavy machine guns. <coughs> Excuse me. You can certainly do that. Uh, or like I said, like me, if you want to go in stealth, you're going to take a sniper rifle, you're going to get a suppressor on it, uh, you're going to kind of take items that aren't going to make the big bangs. Uh, and of course, that's where the kind of multiplayer is really, I think, going to sell this title. And that's insofar that you can really kind of have every one of your teammates uh, basically focus in one different item. So, you know, if you want to be that person who's going to be the person scouting out the enemy bases with a sniper rifle, staying on a hill far away while two of your teammates sneak in and the other one is kind of scouting out on top, you can do that. And I think that teamwork aspect of it is really gonna, what's going to sell it really great. 
Uh, and I also even tried it just playing, you know, with random players online because that's also a good way to test out a multiplayer game. And even with that, people start playing together. You start kind of meshing and learning, okay, let's do this. Let's not to go too crazy over here. Um, because I will say, you know, while it isn't the one-hit kill that you had back in the day with other Ghost Recon titles, it is a game that, you know, can potentially be difficult. I mean, enemies can kill you. It doesn't take forever to get you killed. Um, so certainly if you want to stay alive, you're going to have to do some teamwork, whether it's with your AI partners or with uh, other online teammates. Uh, but I definitely highly recommend giving it a shot. If you weren't in the beta this weekend, uh, I don't believe they're going to be offering any other betas. They may announce a demo coming out prior to the game, which comes out March 7th. Uh, we'll certainly have to wait and see. But I think it is another title that from Ubisoft that I think they're really nailing this idea of co-op gameplay with a single player meshed in and having it all work fluidly. Uh, the Division, which I loved last year when it initially came out, I think I, I certainly tapered off as many people did. The end game content was a little bit kind of hit or miss and certainly they've fixed it since then. But they're really getting it with these titles and I think that's the most important thing. And of course, that is what leads me into the topic of the week here, uh, and that is kind of the nature of betas, how they've evolved, where they're going, and uh, how they can actually help developers either sell or not sell games. <coughs> and basically in this instance, you know, if you're not familiar with betas, back in the day, betas were not uh, what they are pretty much nowadays. Uh, betas literally were, you know, the beta version of the game coming out, and it came out months and months, sometimes even a year or so before the game, where they were literally testing things out in the game uh, to see how things are working out, get some feedback, and then go back into the uh, oven and cook it some more to see if they can make sure it comes out really well. Nowadays, uh, betas have kind of taken two different uh, avenues, as it were. Uh, you get a lot of betas nowadays that they call it a beta, uh, and they call it a multiplayer beta, but the game is coming out like in a month. And at that point, for the most part, the game's already done. Uh, so the, the notion of calling it a beta is a, is a little bit deceptive. Uh, it is more so of a demo. And I can be honest with you, this Ghost Recon Wildlands uh, beta certainly did feel like a, a demo to me. Uh, you could certainly zoom out and see the entire map of the game. You had all the mechanics in place. Um, a lot of the missions in one of these designated areas in place as well. So the nature of calling it a beta, you know, whether, whether it is or isn't, is certainly up for debate. But I think the nature of betas nowadays is, is really, it seems, I, I, I don't really want to, I don't know why, but, you know, developers and publishers are kind of shying away from calling things demos. I think the nature of calling it a demo may kind of potentially scare people away because they're like, oh, this is the final game. So if I don't like this, I'm not going to like the game. Whereas a beta, the, the inclination that you get with the beta is that, it's literally not the finished game, it's kind of a testing ground, let's see what you think and we'll tweak it. And I think one of the, the best examples of a beta in recent, in recent history, of an actual beta, uh, is for the game Neo, uh, which is kind of a, a Dark Souls-esque game that's coming out for the PS4 tomorrow, February 7th, uh, which I'm excited for. Uh, we'll certainly give you uh, in feedback on that next week. But basically, they so Team, Nin, Team Ninja, uh, who is the developer of that game, has been in development for years and years and years and years. Uh, they released an alpha and a beta uh, last year uh, to really get true feedback and, and hear what players had to say. And those alphas and betas, they literally were alphas and betas. You could tell the game was not 100% done yet. And on top of that, 
the difference that you felt from the first, from the alpha to the beta to obviously to release, were drastic. Uh, the alpha had a lot of things that people did not like. They gave their feedback. The developers listened. They changed those things in the beta. They had some more feedback in the beta about certain items. They changed them again. Um, and I think that is that's the purpose of a beta. Uh, the beta really is to kind of get feedback from the customers and see what they have to say, see how they feel about what the game feels like, how it plays. If there's things that are broken, maybe that the developers didn't catch, maybe that QA didn't catch. Uh, it's these little things that make a difference, and I think that is the, the perfect example of what a beta is. And like I mentioned, you know, obviously you have a lot of betas nowadays. You know, you have the multiplayer ones, so a lot of a Battlefield had it last year, Titanfall had it. Uh, and of course, getting into the thing that helps or, or doesn't help sell the game, you know, Titanfall's beta, Titanfall 2 from last year, those betas, um, while I, I like them, uh, they, for the most part, gave a lot, a lot of negative press to the game. Uh, people were not happy with the changes they made to Titanfall 2's multiplayer, especially in comparison to the first Titanfall. They weren't happy how certain items were handled, they weren't so happy how... The, the route that the developers went with the, you know, your titans and your loadouts and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, well, one portion of the sales uh, disaster that was Titanfall 2 is EA's mistake in releasing it, sandwiched in between Battlefield and Call of Duty. Uh, the other one is the bad press that it got. Uh, those betas hurt uh, the sales of that game. Uh, and I think that it's important to note that betas, and even demos to an extent, do affect game sales. Um, I think developers certainly know it, and they certainly see it. I think that's why you see a lot less demos nowadays, uh, because they're relying solely on the hype the game is getting. They're relying on the YouTubers who are going to be streaming the games for you. So lots of Let's Plays. A lot of people are doing that nowadays. Uh, and they figure if they can avoid having a demo out there for you to play it, and for you to see the game and be like, you know what, this game looks awesome. I'm going to buy it, whatever. They'll do it. Um, but I think betas can definitely hurt <coughs> a game. But I think, you know, in the, in the case of Neo, and certainly we'll see how it sells when it comes out this week, uh, I think in Neo, it certainly does help the game. And I think the same thing with Ghost Recon Wildlands. I mean, for me personally, Ghost Recon, it was on my radar. Um, I didn't really know what to make of it uh, based on the trailers I've seen and based on the gameplay I've seen. I didn't really know how deep of an RPG system it really has. Uh, I mean, you have XP, you have obviously all the leveling mechanics that you get for each of the characters. Uh, and I also didn't know what the game was really going to bring to the table as far as single player and multiplayer. And, and this beta, and we'll kind of say that beta in quotations for Ghost Recon, has sold me on the game. Uh, I mean, I'm day one now, and that's day one in a time where you're going to have so many games coming out, I don't even know how you're going to make time to play them. Uh, I mean, between now and the end of March, uh, you have Neo this week, For Honor next week, the 14th, then you have Halo Wars 2 on the 21st, you have Horizon Zero Dawn on the 28th, you have Nintendo Switch and Zelda coming out on March 3rd. March 7th, you have Ghost Recon, you have Nier Automata, uh, and then, of course, even in March, you're going to have Mass Effect on the 21st. So there's a ridiculous amount of games coming out. There's certainly not enough time in the day to play all of them, unfortunately. Uh, if we could somehow build a way to stop time so we can enjoy all these games, I would certainly be the first one on that ship to do so. Um, but yeah, I will now devote a lot of time to Ghost Recon Wildlands. I think it's going to be a great title for me to come home, unwind, play some with some buddies, and turn it off. Will it stop me from playing other games? Yes, I think it will. Uh, and you know what? At the end of the day, 
you certainly have to pick and choose your battles at, when it comes to game releases, and obviously you spread things out during the year. Uh, but I think it's a fantastic title. I think Neo will benefit from those betas and alphas as well. I think the developers will see it. And I'm really hoping that down the line, the developers will start doing more real betas to really get a lot out of them. Uh, obviously, Steam has early access uh, for games. Uh, Xbox One has game preview. And those are, I don't know if I would necessarily call them betas in the in the classic sense, but they are beta versions of the games a lot of the times. They're, you know, unfinished, unfinished games that are being released early. They want players to play them. They want all the feedback. Um, we Happy Few, which is a game that came out last year into game preview and early game and early access on PC. It's a game that has actually consistently been adding a lot of things to it and changing a lot of things since it is early, and they're not going to be fully releasing the title until the latter portion of this year, slash 2018 at this point. Um, but, you know, the more we see this, I think the better the industry will be. Uh, listening to feedback, and of course the developers need to discern what feedback is right, what feedback is wrong, what works for them, and also obviously balancing what is their version, what is their vision for a game versus what you know the fans want. And that's obviously an important balance to have, and that comes down to developers personally. But I think having these true betas is really, really important uh, and a really helpful thing to do. And of course, keeping closed betas, you don't have to open it up to everyone in the public because sometimes. Uh, you know, people can be turned off by something that they perceive to be the real product when in fact things will change over time. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, the betas are important. Uh, and I think that they do sell titles, um, and I think they can get you even more excited for a title than potentially you would have thought to be. Um, but yeah, that's my thought process on betas. Uh, not a long show this week. Uh, you know, certainly going to be a longer one next week. I'm probably going to have a guest appearance, and I'll certainly announce that uh, later on this week. Um, but, you know, let me know what you think about betas. Let me know what you think about Ghost Recon Wildlands if you were in the beta this weekend. Uh, and, of course, if you're getting Neo, obviously, always send your feedback. We'll be talking about it next week. I'll be kind of diving headlong into it uh, when it comes out tomorrow. And, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ProperWitty. You can also email me any questions you have or comments at Oren, O-R-E-N, uh, at ProperWitty.com. And of course, you know, any and all feedback is welcome. Uh, and uh, that's going to put an end to it for this week. I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, enjoy your gaming. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Have a great one.